Welcome to Rock Talk, the podcast. This is where we talk about all things Granite Rock, our great products, great projects, and of course, our great people. The idea with this podcast is to give team members a place to listen to information and insights about the company. Hopefully the podcast will be entertaining as we explore different topics from throughout the company. This is our very first episode, so we'll be figuring things out as we go along, what works and doesn't work. I'm your host, Shanna Krieger, Granite Rocks Communications Director. Today for the first episode, our guest is President Tom Squirry. Tom, welcome to the show and thanks for being here. Well, thank you for having me on your kickoff uh, podcast. I appreciate it. And thank you folks for doing this. We're searching uh, for ways to step up our communication, especially during this time of a worldwide pandemic. It's so much more difficult to get out and talk to people face to face. So I'm uh, very hopeful that this will be an effective communication tool and be useful for people to hear what's going on. So for the first episode, we reached out to Granite Rock team members to find out what's on their mind. In Rock Talk, our newsletter and our mobile app, My Rock Talk, we asked team members to submit questions for Tom to answer. I'm happy to report we received a good number of responses on a wide range of topics related to Granite Rock and the construction industry in general. So let's jump in. We're going to start with a topic that has been on everyone's mind since the coronavirus hit and many businesses were required to close in response to the shelter in place orders statewide. Granite Rock and a number of other businesses turned to allowing their employees to work from home to slow the spread of the virus and keep people safe. We have a handful of questions related to working from home, and I'm just going to start with asking a few of these all together. Um, the first one, what are the plans for team members working from home? How long will they remain working from home? And do you see Granite Rock people working from home indefinitely? Another person piggybacked on that. I'm sure working from home has been discussed and what part of California's reopening plan will we be allowed to return to the office? In addition, will the people who have proven to work efficiently from home be able to do so once the pandemic is over? I think there's two, there's kind of two time frames to talk about. Um, while the virus is with us, I suspect, I don't know for sure, but I suspect that the healthcare orders will continue to say what they say today, which is if you can do work from home, continue to do work from home. Because even though things are opening up around the state, restaurants and I guess barbers and dentists and that kind of thing, um, the, the clear message we are getting from our public health professionals is that it remains dangerous for people to be crammed into an indoor space, breathing each other's coughs and sneezes so that we should minimize that to the full extent possible to protect our teams. So we're told that we ought to stay the course, that if you can work from home, continue to work from home. I suspect that's gonna be the case until we get a vaccine or a very effective therapeutic for the virus because social distancing still remains one of the most effective tools that we have and working from home where you can is a big piece of that. So I don't know when the healthcare orders will change, but if I had to guess, my guess would be that until we really have this virus much more under control than we have it today, they won't change and people will still be required, requested to work from home. Now, once that happens and that the virus is uh, under control, 
and we are allowed to bring people back to the office. The question is, what about people who can work from home? One thing the virus did for us is it took a topic that was very hard, was whether you could relieve people of their commutes, allow them to work from home. There are all kinds of challenges with that. And it's something that businesses have thought about for a long time. And there are a lot of reasons not to do it, a lot of risks with it, workers' comp, you know, what do you do if somebody trips over the dog when they're going to get a cup of coffee in their own house? Is that a worker's comp injury? Is it not? There's all of that stuff. And the coronavirus really forced us to forget about all that and send people out to work from home, you know, literally on day's notice. And what we've learned is that from an efficiency and effectiveness point of view, it's generally pretty effective. People do a really good job working from home. So I, I strongly suspect that once we have the ability to decide, instead of having to follow a healthcare order, that we are likely to, to decide to allow people who want to work from home and who can work from home, at least for some number of days, right? Two days a week, three days a week, whatever that may be, to continue to do that. Um, because there's a lot of advantages. Now, there's other folks who don't want to work from home. They do better in the social environment of the office. And you know, once we get to the point where um, we're allowed to bring them back in, we're very happy to do that. The one thing that concerns me about having people work at home is that by missing out on that social dynamic and social part of the process and checking in with the other people on your team and with your managers, you can start to feel kind of like a consultant, right? Where you, you're working from home, you don't really talk to anybody, you set your own hours, you do it, you, know, you, you kind of phone stuff in. Um, and that's really destructive to the culture. So we'll have to solve that problem to make sure that even those people who want to continue to work from home from the long run because of their childcare or commute or whatever other reasons are still feeling part of the team. And we've got a, a task force that will be led by Henry Ramirez, who's going to study a lot of, um, a lot of granite rock processes and systems that we will deal with in the coronavirus period. And, and how to have people work at home, but continue to make them a really plugged in part of our culture is one of the topics that we'll deal with. So that was kind of a rambling answer, but um, the short answer is until the health officials tell us otherwise, people will continue to work from home. Once they tell us it's okay for them to come back to work, I strongly suspect we'll have an, a work at home program for folks who wish to continue to do that. That's great, good. And um, big change from where we've been in the past. So it'll be interesting to see that. This question comes to us from Jonathan Perez in RTS. It's also related to the pandemic a little bit regarding work from home. It says, due to COVID-19, a lot of our fellow employees have been encouraged to work from home and have discovered the convenience of video conferencing technology. Is this a technology that will be encouraged after COVID-19 is not an issue anymore? Yeah, I, I have never been a fan of video conferencing technology. I, I hated using it. It was forced on all of us with this pandemic. I, I do now admit uh, that it very much has its usefulness. So, so I think, yes, we'll absolutely use it. Um, we've made a big investment in the Microsoft collaboration software Teams, and I'm a novice user at that, but I really see that the ability to have Teams meetings is a big benefit to that. And there's a lot of upside. People tend to attend optional meetings when they can call in as opposed to have to drive to the corporate office. So, so our safety meetings, for example, have a lot more participants. Our quarterly financial results meetings have more participants because it's really easy, convenient for people to call in. 
So in response to Jonathan's question, you know, I think absolutely that is going to be with us for a long time. There are drawbacks, though. There are limitations to what that can accomplish. And it, in my experience, that the meetings that you have online tend not to be as, as engaging and robust as the meetings you can have face-to-face. So while I definitely think they have their place and we'll keep doing them, they will not, in my view, become a total substitute for face-to-face team meetings. So I really look forward to the day when we can have those face-to-face meetings again, but still continue to have the Zoom or Microsoft team meetings where they make sense. All right, this question, um, getting a little bit into controversy with COVID-19 and the new policies that everyone's been asked to follow. This team member asks, it has been about 42 days, probably more now, since Florida and Georgia have fully reopened their state with no spikes in COVID-19. Moreover, South Dakota is one of the states that never had any shelter-in-place policies and likewise has not seen any spikes in COVID-19. Is it safe to say that we should be okay to return to our offices here at Granite Rock? Probably that is a better question for uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci than it is for me. And I I am just no expert on, on this virus. I spent a lot of time reading about it to understand it because it has such a great impact on the company. I guess what I would say in response to that question is, first, I challenge the premise a little bit because I just read this morning that Florida's infection rate is actually spiking. I think there's 14 states in the U.S. that are in some stage of opening back up and the rates are spiking. Arizona, where my parents live, so I keep an eye on that, their headline in the paper this morning was that their infection rate is up 180% and they were an early state to open. I think it's very complex on what causes the virus to spike and what doesn't, and it's really hard to draw conclusions. Um, As California is loosening our restrictions up and allowing people to do more social things, our rate, infection rate, is going up. It's actually statewide as bad now as it ever has been. So I think the answer is no, it's not safe to put people back in an office yet, and that's what our health officials are telling us. And, And it's really a I think, as I alluded to in the earlier question, not our decision anyway, because we follow the rules and the health officials are telling us that we ought to follow the rules. I, I really, and I said this in the video message I recorded last week, I want us to guard against this complacency, this feeling out there that as things open up, you know, it's safe, it's okay, the risk is down, because it's really not. You know, everything you see and read is, you know, we, we don't have a cure for this thing. It's still out there. It's just as infectious. We might have beaten back this initial spike, but it's starting to rise again. So I really encourage people not to get a false sense of security that, you know, because you can go get a haircut or because you can go to a restaurant again, everything's fine because all of the health experts are telling us it's it's not. So we, we have to keep uh, after the tools we have, the very few tools we have to keep each other safe. And that is social distancing, hand washing, covering your mouth, don't touch your face, et cetera, et cetera, wiping down surfaces, all of those things. Well, this next question is is related, and I'm going to paraphrase a little bit here. Wearing a mask while in public has quickly become the norm. It's a requirement to enter a grocery store and a lot of other businesses. It's a requirement here at Granite Rock. However, not everyone believes the masks truly protect us from the virus. One team member wants to know your view on the effectiveness of wearing a mask, and they specifically called out the difference between the surgical masks and the cloth masks. 
It seems like that should be a really easy question for scientists to answer. But as far as I can tell from my reading, it isn't. Here's what I believe based on what I have read. That mask, especially the kind of cloth masks, the you know buffs and bandanas and the things, the cloth face coverings that we've been encouraged to wear, very likely don't do much to help the wearer from getting the virus. They apparently do something, but it's not highly effective, which is why uh, doctors and nurses who are treating COVID patients wear a much more uh, robust and effective close-fitting mask. But the belief seems to be that they are relatively effective from preventing respiratory droplets from leaving a person through their nose and mouth and infecting others. And I've seen different estimates of how effective they are, but the last one I read was, you know, where you have people wearing masks and all other things being equal is sort of at 17% or something better. I don't know if that's right or not. But to me, there is a common sense element that if you talk or cough or sneeze and you have a piece of cloth in front of your face, you're not spewing as much stuff out as if you didn't have a piece of cloth in front of your face. And I personally feel a little bit better talking to somebody who's got a mask on and I have a mask on um, because I, I do think it helps. I'm sure as we continue to learn more about the virus and what works and what doesn't, uh, we'll learn more about how effective it is. But in the meantime, it's the rule and it doesn't really hurt. So I encourage people to keep on, keep on wearing them even though it's a pain in the rear. Okay, our next question. This one's, uh, we're shifting away from the pandemic and working from home. This one's more business related. It comes to us from Cherie Schoner, an estimator in the construction division. What are you seeing or hearing about future public and private work budget impacts as agencies and companies deal with the financial implications of the pandemic? Yeah, good, good question. It's something that we're going to discuss at our upcoming June Board of Directors meeting. Uh, there's obviously a lot of interest in that. And, you know, nobody's crystal ball works particularly well for it. I can tell you after talking with the executive team what we collectively think. And that is that state funding through SB1 looks very secure through the current fiscal year, which ends in uh, mid-year 2021. So even though travel was down significantly, so gas tax collection was down significantly in March and April, a little bit of May, we don't expect there to be a big hit to California gas tax funding used for roads in the, in the next fiscal year. Local agencies have been hit very hard because they rely primarily on sales tax to fund their operations. So when all these businesses shut down and consumer spending fell off, they'll be hit very hard. So to the extent they're not getting funds from the state and other sources, we expect their budgets to be impacted. So I think it's a pretty good guess that we'll see less local street and road work. Airports got a, a nice chunk of money from the stimulus, and it remains to be seen on the long term what happens there. Because the, the good news is there's some federal funds to do that. And I know San Francisco Airport is coming out with some big, big, big projects. But in the long term, if travel remains down, there will be less demand for those projects. So that can hurt. The private work side is a, it's a really big question mark. You know, I wouldn't want to be a developer of shopping malls these days because it looks like that business for the foreseeable future is going to be way down. You know, folks have um, really flocked to online shopping because, well, stores have been closed. And office spaces are a question mark because there's sort of two schools of thought on office spaces. 
And this goes back to the can we work at home question. And the first school of thought is if a high number of people were going to continue to work at home, you know, we won't need that many more offices. The second school of thought is, but those people who are in offices need to be spread out more. And we're going to get away from this environment where everybody sits next to each other in these kind of collaboration rooms and and does all that. And uh, we're going to go back to the cubicle farms and private offices. So we're going to need more real estate for that. And the economy in general, right, has an impact on our level of business in general. And nobody seems to have a great idea how quick a rebound uh, we're going to have from this thing. So every day you'll read a different opinion on whether it's a V-shaped recovery or a J-shaped recovery or a W-shaped recovery or a U-shaped recovery. So, so nobody really knows. But obviously, when the overall level of economic activity slows down, that'll have some impact on our business. I have to say that it has been wonderfully surprising to me how well construction in general has done, and Granite Rock in particular has done, through this, we had a fantastic May. June looks like it's going to be very strong. Our backlog is very strong and there's a lot of work coming out to bid. So I think for 2020 and into 2021, we'll be just fine. That'll be great. Beyond that, into 2022 and beyond, it's just riskier. It's just riskier. Yeah, nobody really has that crystal ball. Great. Our last question today, this one is from an intern, Christiane Blair. Tom, what makes a good leader in these changing times? Um, as an intern, she probably hasn't been to Mike Baker's working together class, but um, Mike's got a great graphic that he talks about during that class called the anatomy of a leader. And it's a kind of the outline of an active person. And, and he says it's head, which is wisdom. It is heart which is really passion and compassion for people, caring for people. It's hands, which, which is touch, uh, which means you got to get out and, and kind of touch the operation, touch people, uh, feel what's going on, and, and then feet. You know, you got to move. You got to be out and about. You got you to gotta move. And I, I think that that is the best listing of attributes for, for a good leader that I've seen. So I'll, I'll stick by that. I, I will say that the unique circumstances of this pandemic caused me to say that in addition to those things, it has to be adaptability because you can't get out and walk around like you'd like to in this. You can't touch the things you want to touch because you know we're all you know social distance, right? So you, you, you can't go out to a job site and talk to people because if you can get out there, everybody's distance, you're wearing a mask, people can't hear you. You just increase the risk of spreading contamination if you go out there. So in addition to those things that Mike talks about, which I think are so true, I think adaptability. And this has caused all the Granite Rock leaders to find ways uh, to adapt. And I've been so very impressed when you hear about the things that, that people do to adapt to this. It's just really, it's really inspiring. You know, you, you go out to a safety meeting and see people standing six feet apart. You hear about folks who hold a, a, the COVID-19 training at one spot of the job and then wanting to make sure they have an effective safety meeting. So they just gather everybody up and move them somewhere else to say, we're turning the page. This is a new chapter. You still need to be safe in your operations because this stuff can kill you too. So I, I see that adaptability everywhere in the company and it's, um, it's great. So that's a very long answer to say all of those things with an added measure in this particular crisis of adaptability because it has really limited our ability 
particularly at Granite Rock, where we have such a high touch culture. It's limited our ability to do the things that we like to do to interact and engage with people. But people are finding ways around it through adaptability. Which is great. And I, I love that you touched on adaptability because this all came with no notice. We didn't get to plan for this and hold a bunch of meetings on how are we going to deal with the pandemic? It was like, no, it was basically like a matter of hours. You know, everything changed. So the adaptability was huge and, and we did really shine. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I think um, uh, and I told the board this in, in my I, I do a quarterly report to the board and um, if if we needed a centralized response to this, which is you know kind of a typical model, right, where the executives plan the response and pass it down the ranks of the organization, and people do you know follow the rules and follow the directives, you know we would have really just failed. We we had a wholly decentralized response. We had people just figuring out what the right thing to do was and going out and doing it from, you know, inventing these plastic barriers to put, you know, between customers and, and sales reps at building materials branches to the, our, Dave Hernandez and small tools going into the, you know, sanitary wipe manufacturing business and, and having the foresight to say, we need an MSDS or a SDS to go with that. People sourcing masks on their own and figuring out. People going to local suppliers who used to make lotion, but now they're making hand sanitizer and buying up all we could get. I mean, there's just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of stories of that decentralized response happening at Granite Rock, which has gotten us through it. And you know, the the test is that we continue to work as an essential business. We're continuing to work today, really at full speed plus. And we have very, very, very few people who contracted the virus and who had to social or had to self-quarantine rather. So it's a great, it'd be a Harvard Business Review level case study on the effectiveness of empowering people at every level in the organization to see the problem and solve the problem. And it's worked very, very well for us. We covered a lot of ground today. Thank you so much, Tom, for taking time out of your day. Uh, did it feel okay? Yeah, first it's podcast? great. It's great. Well, we do have more questions in the queue that we didn't get to. We promise those will be addressed in another Rock Talk podcast. We appreciate everyone listening. You are the reason we're doing this. If you liked Rock Talk, the podcast, please let your team know and stay tuned for the next episode. Bye.